start, let, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning in, in awe of your great mercy and love for us. And please be with us this morning as we read from your word, as, as we hear more about your precious son, Jesus. And please be with us, we pray. Amen. Um, so I was, I was thinking about a, an appropriate way to introduce this passage. Um, lots of things have gone through my mind all week. I was sort of spinning off on things like what common sense is. Um, that led me down the road of reading a quote from Voltaire, which said that the, the problem with common sense is that it's not actually that common. Um, and the whole mess of what we consider appropriate and, and, and how we judge what we see going on in, in kind of the filter of appropriateness. Um, I even thought maybe I should, I don't know, just at this point break out, start reading my phone and demonstrate inappropriate behavior. I'm here to preach to you, but maybe... I started playing a little car game up here, you might find that was quite inappropriate. Um, but but none, of, none of that uh, uh, sort of caught me as much as I was, I was actually being inappropriate yesterday, doom scrolling as you do on a Saturday <coughs> afternoon when you're a bit bored and there's nothing else going on. Um, and, and a friend of mine sent me a, a, a really good map. Um, I love a really good map. I love a lot of detail condensed into a visual form. Um, and uh, he sent me this works. He sent me this picture of the top 100 most valuable brands in 2024. Um, and um, this seemed like an appropriate way to start this passage. Our, our passage is about worship. We're going to consider um, two very contrasting acts of worship going on this morning. Um, but before we do that, I thought I'd like to frame it by um, what do we as a, as a, a world think is appropriate? Um, all eight billion of us all over this planet. What do we consider appropriate? Well, um, if you look at this, you'll see that um, the top most valuable brands right in the middle there, you, we, we, we seem to like technology more than most things. There's a giant apple in the middle. That, that's quite significant for later. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd frame this with, um, this is a passage about worship, but um, what does the world worship? Um, it's quite scary. I don't know whether you can see from the back there, but the, um, the, the sort of grey blue bit in the middle is all tech companies. It's Apple and Microsoft, um, Samsung's in there. Um, down this right-hand side, this, this blue part is, is all consumer goods, retail. Um, we've got a big Amazon one there. We've, we've got um, Nike and all these um, manufacturers of all the products that we simply can't do without. Uh, top in orange, you've got cars. We, we like to drive a lot of cars. Um, uh, down the bottom there in green, uh, a tiny little bit of food, but it's all fast food. It's McDonald's and that sort of thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, this, this picture came up when I was considering these ideas of appropriateness, what, what we as a, as a, as a world worship. And, and I, think, um, I think it's important that we, we carry this kind of, this is the world we inhabit at the moment. As, as we go in and, and look at this passage. Um, there is good news, by the way. There is very good news. Um, it's not all about this. Uh, so we're, we're in John's Gospel, and um, we're in uh, what I'd sort of consider a, a transition phase of the Gospel, because um, as, as, as Rich was talking about a couple of weeks ago, we've, we've, we've come to a point six days before... Passover. We've just got to the outskirts of Jerusalem. We're in a, a little village called Bethany. Um, and 
the first 11 chapters of John's Gospel have all been about um, Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, Alex very helpfully pointed out last week, actually, it's, it's, it's from the beginning. Jesus was with us, with God from the beginning. So the, the first 11 chapters of this Gospel take us on um, from all time right through to the present with Jesus. And in these 11 chapters, the, the bit that we can just about wrap our ha- head around is, is the, the 11 chapters of his earthly ministry, his, his time with us where he's, he's preaching the gospel, he's revealing who he is, he's declaring the good news, healing the sick, driving out demons. Um, and, and, and the purpose of the whole of John's gospel uh, is, is summed up actually at the end of the gospel in, in chapter 20, where, where, where John lays out that the reason he's writing all this stuff is, is, is so, um, is, is fascinating. Well, if you've got your Bibles open, you want to quickly flick to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. You can see it there. But essentially, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the purpose of this book is that we might believe and that by believing we might have life in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and 11 chapters have gone by where all of who he is is declared. All these signposts are set out before us. Um, but now we're kind of really downshifting. The, the, the next nine chapters of John's Gospel focus on the, the, the six days leading up to the Passover and the few days after Jesus' resurrection. Um, so there's a real sort of downshifting in pace in terms of, 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 what, of what's going on here. Um, and, and the interesting bit of this passage is that in this downshifting of um, the going from all of time to these, these six days, um, we're, we're zooming in on an event where, where no miracles are happening. You're not, you're not going to read in this passage about anybody being cured, being raised from the dead. There's no demons being drived out. Um, in a sense, this passage is a is an account of a simple meal where um, uh, uh, Jesus is invited as the guest of honor, um, all of which is sort of hinging off of what we heard about from last week, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, the, the, the calling out of Lazarus in this little town, this miraculous event. Um, but these 11 verses, there is no miracle going on. There is a meal being shared, um, and there's a conversation being held, um, why does John put this in? Why, why, is this, um, why is this so important to us? And I think it all hinges on this, this question of do we believe? Um, do, do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do we believe that um, you, you, can, you can hear the Gospels time after time, you can, you can know the stories of, of Jesus and his, his earthly ministry? Um, but do we really believe them? Do they really sink into our, our deeper heart? Do, what our head knows about Jesus, does it really hit us in the heart? Um, and this passage, where, where no miracle seems to be going on, is actually revealing some, some really deeper heart issues. It's something that you could quite easily miss, this sort of conversation over dinner. Um, one person does something. Some people consider it's appropriate. Some people consider it's not appropriate. Um, something is spoken. Some comments are made. Um, but behind all of the, the miraculous events that we've seen in Jesus' life going on to this point, this meal, I think, reveals something that's going on inside of all of our hearts. Um, I think Rich talked about it a few 
weeks ago or just before Christmas, this, this dividing line, the, the, the line between good and evil that passes through all of our hearts. Um, and this passage, when we, when we look at it, we're going to look at two people's acts of worship here. We're going to look at Mary's acts of worship and we're going to look at Judas's acts of worship. And I want you to frame that with that, that sense of do we believe. Um, so let me just skip on to that. So when we consider this act of worship, Mary is giving out, I think that I want to draw out some, some of the points of um, what differentiates Mary's worship from Judas's worship. Um, Mary's worship is, is, is focused. It has a, has a clear focus. She, if, if, if I can take you back to that room 2,000 years ago, um, uh, the, maybe the drinks have been poured, the, the, the dinner was set out, they're all sitting there doing what you do at dinner, and then suddenly this woman breaks in. She goes straight to the feet of Jesus. She cracks open this really expensive jar of perfume, and, and she begins to, 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 to wipe his feet, Jesus' feet, with her tears and, and anoint his feet with, with this, this perfume. Um, despite all the things that are going on in that room, all the things that you would consider appropriate at a dinner party, Mary breaks in and rushes straight to Jesus' feet. She has a focus for her worship, and her focus is Jesus. Um, nothing else in that room really mattered to her at that point. I don't think there was any social awkwardness going on about whether I maybe should approach or not approach. There was just simply an overwhelming desire to, to pour out her heart, to pour out her worship onto the one that was worthy. Um, another thing I want you to, to, to be aware of is that it's an active uh, event. Um, she's doing something. She's, she's, she sort of seems to jump into this, this passage and go straight in and we... We as onlookers can see something that is going on. We can see her act of worship. It's, it's premeditated to a way. She's, she's found this um, expensive ointment, this nard, this uh, fragrant um, uh, perfume that's extracted from a plant that, that people use to, um, to, to, to make things smell better, to, 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 to sweeten the air. Um, and I think Mary's act of worship is also very genuine. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, w when I cry, there's a great difference between the, the, the tear that I might squeeze out if I'm trying to make someone feel sorry for me and I'm needing a bit of sort of crocodile tear um, or I need a day off school or something. I just sort of oh, squeeze one out because, look, I'm really in pain. But when, when you're really emotionally engaged with what you're doing, tears just, just flow. And the, the amount of tears that you would need to to wipe someone's feet with this expensive perfume. This is a, this is a genuine expression of, of love and joy. Um, and it's a, it, it's, it's a genuine expression of love and joy if, if we remember back to chapter 11. Uh, Jesus has just raised her brother from the dead. All, all hope was lost. Her, her brother had been sick. He'd gone into a tomb. He'd, he'd been in that tomb for four days. And then Jesus had, had, had called him out of the tomb. And, and he came out as though nothing had happened. And, and now we're in, a, in a, an event where at a meal, Lazarus is, is, is with Jesus as a guest at this meal. Um, so there is a genuine tears flowing, heartfelt, joyful, thankful praise and worship going on there. But I think there's even deeper. It's not just a thankfulness about rescuing her brother. I think there's a deeper understanding going on. There's a, there's a sense in which, at this point, Mary truly believes. 
she is at the feet of the Savior. Everything that Jesus has said he is doing, he has done. Everything that is impossible for man, he has demonstrated that it is possible for God. And so this genuine outpouring of, of love, of joy, of, of, of gratefulness, is, is, it's impossible to fake. It is a genuine outpouring, um, unceasing tears of joy. Um, and it's an appropriate act of worship. Uh, it's possibly not at the time that everyone was looking at it considered appropriate. I, I don't know about you if someone broke into this room right now and started washing Alex's feet, whether, whether we would consider that was appropriate. Um, and I think it would, it would call all of us to question, A, who Alex is, and, and, and B, what that person's motivations were. So um, I want you to sort of focus on that, that sense of perhaps confusion for, for people who didn't believe. For people whose heart was the wrong side of that line, um, would they have seen that what Mary was doing was, was appropriate? If, if you see Jesus as, as just a man, we were talking about this last week, as, as Alex was explaining about man, Jesus being fully man, fully God. If you see Jesus as just a man, well, why, why, is, why, is, why is that in, in order? Um, but if you see him as fully God, who he is, the saviour of the world, then it's, it's, it's by far and away the most appropriate response. Um, I didn't put up a slide of Judas because I didn't think he warranted a slide, so we're going to stick with Mary while we talk about Judas's response to this. And, and what, I, what I want you to see in this passage is that, that Judas is also worshipping, but he's worshipping something different. Um, Judas' Judas's focus on this passage is, is, is himself. Um, that what he says... Uh, um, we, 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 we know because John helps us to understand is, is he's considering the value of this perfume. He's considering how he could monetize it. He's considering how that, because he's the keeper of the purse, could allow him the opportunity to, to get a bit richer or to, to, to have a little bit more power, to have a little bit more control. Um, his, his focus is himself, his, his own greed, his own <coughs> desire to, to, to have power and money. Um, his, his worship is also passive. It's, it's actually hidden, shrouded under layers of deception. It's, he's not doing anything. He's just standing there and he's just throwing out a kind of comment into the ether. Um, and, and actually, that comment, some people might think, well, he's got a point, actually. That's proper expensive stuff. That, that, could, that could sort out a quite a... Quite a food, quite a chunk of food for for a year for for, for people, um, but that 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 passive comment wasn't even the real heart of the matter. Um, and actually, um, what Judas's worship is doing is is, is shrouded in um, it's 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 shrouded in in deceit. Really, he's being really disingenuous. And and were it not for John's intervention here, John John actually um, the the author of the gospel kind of fills in some of the gaps here. He tells us that that wasn't what G uh, Judas really wanted. He, he didn't really want the money to help the poor. He wanted the money because he's a thief, because he kept hold of the purse and he wanted to manipulate the, the circumstance to, to, to greater further his own heart's desire, which was his own self, his own worship. Um, so his, his worship is hidden, passive, disingenuous. Um, and, and I think... When we consider Mary's tearful, joyful, all-consuming, genuine worship, I think you could probably say that 
that Judas's worship was fearful worship as well. Um, he didn't really want people to know what he was up to. He didn't really want anyone to get to the heart of why he was saying the thing he was saying. Questioning the money sounded like a good cover for, for something else. But um, if you have to do things hidden, if you have to do things secretly, you kind of, we all know, we're, we're all doing something that we're a little bit afraid of, a little bit ashamed of. We don't want other people to know. So his was a, was a fearful worship. Um, and above all, it was, was inappropriate. Um, the, the appropriate use for this, this uh, herb or this, this plant that's the condensed and the, the beautiful smell from it that takes, creates a pleasant smell where horrific smells would, would normally fill the room. So the appropriate use of nard is to, is to worship, to anoint. Um, the inappropriate use of nard is to see it as a big pound sign or a big denarii sign. It's, it's, it's a chunk of money waiting to be exploited. It's a, it's a liquid asset waiting to be dissolved so I can do something else with it. Um, so he's not even manufacturing a scenario where we're using things in the right way. We're using items, objects, to, to carry out the function that they're supposed to be for. It's, it's a wholly inappropriate act of worship. Um, so in this passage, you have these two hearts on full display, um, two acts of worship, uh, one hidden um, that, that really you might have missed it in the moment if you were standing in that room because I, I don't think there was a particular argument erupting. It doesn't sound like there was a... a, a indignant, outraged shouting going on. It was just a kind of fly-on-the-wall comment from Judas and a, and, a, and a response from Jesus that I'll speak about in a second. Um, what everyone was really looking at was this, this woman washing Jesus' feet, um, anointing him. Um, so these two acts of worship um, are, are then framed by, by what Jesus says about this situation. And I, I want to draw your attention to three things quickly that, that Jesus says about this incident. Um, the first is in, uh, in verse, doo -doo -doo. verse 7, the very beginning of verse 7, if you look at it. The first thing he does is he tells Judas, leave her alone. Um, so uh, it's, it's quite quick to, to, to maybe miss that. <coughs> but in that moment, the author of creation, the the, the the, the, the I am who has been there from the beginning is, is going to the defense of someone who is being righteous and appropriate. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, an appropriateness to Mary's actions which engenders Jesus to tell everybody else to leave her alone. Um, so my point there is that Jesus defends the righteous. If, if um, I, 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 I feel far from righteous, I'm grateful for being saved. But um, that thought that that Jesus would come to my aid and, and speak out on my behalf to, to defend me in a situation where perhaps others might think that I'm completely out of my mind, but, but he defends her righteous actions. Um, secondly, uh, he, he calls out the, the whole purpose of worship here. He, he explains that it was intended that uh, this should be saved for the day of his burial, that this is... This is appropriate because this is, this is something connected with Jesus' burial. Now, now, the rest of the people in that room would have probably not understood what that meant. We, we don't, 
we, we've heard some rumors from the previous chapter of John um, where the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are plotting to kill him. But there's, there's, no, there's no time frame stamped in the diary. Jesus is going to die in six days and, and conquer the grave. Um, this is a miraculous prophetic word of what is coming next, um, which kind of encapsulates the fact that it is appropriate. It is this, this, this burial perfume is being used in the right place at the right time because, because only, only Jesus knows what's coming next at that point. Um, but the, the, the heart of worship that draws Mary to him with this, um, it, 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 it sort of talks of a higher level plan beyond our comprehension. Um, and then he throws out this comment that you will always have the poor among you. Um, and I think this is, uh, this is significant because he's, he's not saying that the poor are less important. He's not saying here that, um, that well, you just have to put up with them because they're here. Um, he's saying something even more profound, which connects to his burial, which connects to his resurrection, which connects to the whole purpose of John's gospel, that we should believe in him and have life. And, and, and that is that Jesus is our only saviour, that um, everything of this world will fade away, but Jesus is our eternal hope. Jesus is, is the life giver. Jesus has just proved in the previous chapter that he can, at a word, command the dead to rise again. Um, and yet, what he's saying about the poor here is, is, is not to ignore them. Even back in Deuteronomy, Jesus, uh, God commands his people to, to look after the poor, to, to care for them. Um, this is that they will always be with us. We are a broken world. We, we, we have a, a wide range of people who value lots of different things. Think back to that, that power bubble map of Apple and McDonald's and everything else. There's always a difference in, in where we all sit. However, what we all need is a savior. We don't all, the, 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 the concept of turning some expensive perfume into a year's wages. That, that's more of a, a salve than a saviour. It's a bit of cream that puts a, puts a little bit of a, a, a softening on, on the, the pain, the brokenness, the, the problem we all solve, uh, we, we, the problem we all face. So Jesus is not by any means diminishing the poor here. He is simply saying that you all need, we all need a saviour and, and he, is, he is that saviour. So yeah, Jesus is defending the righteous. He's, he's calling out that the appropriateness of this situation is, is, is alluding to his, his burial, his death, his resurrection, that, that point on the cross where once and for all it is finished, that um, he takes all of the wrath, all of the, all of the punishment that we deserve, um, and he, he takes it to the grave, and then he conquers the grave. And uh, God looks down on us. He doesn't see our brokenness. He sees the price that Jesus has paid for us. And then also that, 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 that broken world is a world that we inhabit now. We, we always will have the poor. We will always need to care for them. But all of us need a saviour, not a, not a salve. So um, what, is, what does that mean for us then? Um, I can't remember what my next slide is. Oh yeah, there you go. That's what it is. What that means for us, um, I wanted to try and bring those two sides of worship um, back to the real present day. And, and I think the thing that I wanted to say here was this isn't uh, an allegory to Lord of the Rings or uh, uh, telling you to go off down to the, down to the jewellery shop. This is that, that we were all made for a purpose. 
And um, the, the purpose that we were made for is stamped into our DNA, that the hallmarks of who we are is, is in all of us. And uh, my point here is that worship is something that separates us from the animals. Worship is something stamped into our DNA that, that reflects God's glory. Um, so all of us bear a mark, a mark of the ability to worship. It's, it's in us. It's that pull that makes us want things. And, and, and desire in itself is not a bad thing. It's inappropriately channeled desire that's the bad thing. Um, so um, hallmark with worship. The, 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 the challenge for us, I think, is, is to consider the, the diametrically opposing views in this passage, what, what Judas worshipped and, and what Mary worshipped, or who, who Mary worshipped. Um, and, and if I was to pull that back to, to us in this room, I think the, the hardest challenge I had preparing for this is, I, th I think I could probably tell you all what you worship. If, if you gave me five minutes with your mobile phone unlocked, I think I could probably tell you what you worship. Um, and I, I know that you could probably tell what I worship if, if you did that. You'd see that quite interesting cars at the moment. I'm talking about buying a new car. There's all kinds of things going on there. But um, the other really scary thing is the fact that you can give me a mobile phone because <laughs> it's in your pocket. And if, if it's not there, you feel naked because you can't talk to people and you can't do all, all kinds of things. And, and, and that sketch I showed you at the beginning, the slide sorry, that I showed you at the beginning with, with Apple front and center in the middle of that, that, that consumerist map of what we value. Um, so I think this passage draws us to consider what we worship. Um, and, and as Rich prayed this morning, it, can, it draws us to consider um, the fact that we, we become more and more like the things that we worship. Um, and, and that the scariness of that uh, versus the beauty and the joy of that if, if, um, if, it's, if it's correct. And what I want to leave you with is, is two, <coughs> two quotes, really, that sum up those diametrically opposed positions. The, the first quote I, I have for you is is if, if we were to become the, the worldly things we worship, if we were to become more like that Apple iPhone or that um, car or that computer game or, or whatever it is, um, G George Orwell wrote this um, in, in uh, the book 1984. He said, There will be no curiosity, no enjoyment of the processes of life, all competing pleasures will be destroyed. But always, do not forget this, always there will be the intoxication of power, constantly increasing and constantly growing subtler. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of the, the victory, the, the, the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Um, it's probably the most depressing part of 1984 that I've ever read. Um, and it, it's, it's a scary vision of us inappropriately worshipping. It's a scary consequence of this God-given ability to worship, but us worshipping the wrong thing. That's, that's, that's the future for, for people who don't believe. That's the future for people scrabbling around to, to, to hoard and worship the created, not the creator. Um, but the hope, the great hope of this passage is that, that Jesus 
Jesus is preparing for burial isn't the end. It's, it, it's, it's, the, it's the finishing of uh, the, 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 it's the finishing of God's plan to reunite us with him. It's, it's, the, it's the price that's paid. It's the debt cancelled. It's, the, it's, it's the, 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 the sacrifice of all sacrifices. Yet, do we believe that? Um, and last week, Alex made us sing a hymn, which I thought was quite helpful because it was the original hymn and it was the original uh, lyrics for Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, and this really, really struck with me that the antithesis to, to Orwell's scary consumerist power intoxicating worship is, is the fragrant smell that a broken bottle of nard poured out over our saviour's feet that fills a room that should fill our senses forevermore and it's 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 the smell of a sa- it's the smell that reminds us that our saviour died for us and that adam's likeness our old self is is done away with and that in its place we, we, we have the image of a second Adam stamped there. And that when we, we truly understand the heart of worship, when we, like Mary, rush to his feet, pour out ourselves to him, that um, that second Adam image takes its place. We become more like the thing we worship. Um, and we're reinstated in love for eternity. So my, my, my plea to us all this morning is to consider the, the two sides of worship that's going on here. Um, I'm not calling you to constantly give up every single rich thing in your house and throw it at the feet of Jesus. But in, in every act, in everything we do, I think it's a, a real help that we, we consider that line of worship that goes through all of our human hearts. Um, and that worship is a good thing. And that pull, that desire is a good thing. But for the lost, it can lead us into some dark corners. And my prayer is that, w- that, that, that we would, would help the lost and that we would encourage one another when, when, when what we're worshipping maybe isn't really the main thing. Um, so I'll leave you with that thought and um, in a second if the musicians are ready we can, are they, are they about somewhere? They've gone? Um, I'll pray and then we can, we can uh, what this leads into is the, um, is, is to the, the final, final hymn that I've chosen for us to sing. Um, uh, there's a, there's a refrain in the middle which I think really sums up what, what the heart of worship is. It goes, with every breath I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will lead me home. And day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. So let's take a minute to reflect on that and, and the musicians prepare to lead us.